Well, 28 years ago, almost 28 years ago, we were assigned as the Corps Officers of the Leeward Corps in IAEA. And t- almost 24 years, we were given farewell orders to leave. But I will tell you, we have uh, very fond memories of our time here in Hawaii. Certainly the beautiful scenery, but more importantly, uh, the beautiful people that live here, the aloha spirit that you convey. And it's good to see a few of you still from many years ago. Good to see you, Paul. Uh, he's embarrassed now. <laughs> but it is, it is nice to be here, and uh, we truly uh, count this as a privilege. The beginning of this uh, passage that was just read to you is quite an amazing first sentence, I would think. The end of all things is near. Now, maybe a little depressing to you, too. I don't know. The end of all things is near. What a, what a terrible way to start a sermon, right? Uh, we're supposed to be uplifted today. But it does give us a sense of urgency that things need to be done that there are things that God wants us to do, and that time is of the essence. Now, time is an interesting thing. I would venture to guess that most of you would like to have another hour in the day. Is that correct? There's just not enough time to do the things that we need to get done. There's just not enough time. Now, I'm a a trained uh, composer of music, and they teach us to manipulate time, or at least to try to manipulate time. I'm sure you've noticed it. If you're listening to something that's really fast and it's engaging, it seems like, you know, time is moving very fast. But you've heard a very boring piece of music as well, where you've had to sit through it and you're looking at your watch. Oh, my goodness. Same thing as sitting through a class on, uh, right after lunch. If you were in high school or college, sitting through a very boring class after lunch. And you look at your watch, and oh my goodness, only a minute's passed since the last time I looked. And then at the same time, when you're doing something that you really enjoy, how time just flies, doesn't it? Before you know it, hours have passed. But you know, time stays the same. It keeps marching on at the same pace. And time is of the essence if we are to do things that God wants us to do. Um, The other thing that occurs to me, too, is that sometimes we run out of time. Now, if you've been working on a project that uh, was really important and you had a deadline and you know what it feels like, that feeling in your stomach when you're running out of time to get something accomplished. And there was a time in my life where I knew I needed to say thank you to a a teacher of mine, and I'm going to have the picture put up there. That guy on the right was my teacher. That guy on the left, believe it or not, was me. (laughs) He was my high school band director. And I felt that I really needed to say thank you to this guy. And it took me years to get around to it. Finally, I was home for a couple of weeks, my hometown in Portland, Oregon. And I looked up his name in the phone book. And I found just his last name listed. Not a first name, just his last name. So I called the number, and his wife answered, and I introduced myself, said who I was. She vaguely remembered who I was. I'd met her a few times, but I said, I'd like to talk to Bill, and she said, oh, Bill died five years ago. I had run out of time, 
to do something that was really important, and I just waited too long. Nothing can be more frightening and more frustrating, I think, than running out of time. Think of the television shows that have exploited that idea. Cutthroat Kitchen. Anybody watch Cutthroat Kitchen? A few of you. I love that show. Uh, the Iron Chef was a big one where you, you run out of time sometimes. But in this passage that we look at today, I think there is a sense of urgency And we don't want to run out of time when we're doing God's work. Peter is telling uh, an audience of primarily Gentile Christians uh, that time was running short. So today we must ask ourselves, what is it that God is asking us to do? And is time running short? What is it that we need to accomplish in the time that he's given us? Now, this portion can be summarized in five words. Act, pray, love, serve, and glorify. First of all, act. He says, the end of all things is near. So to me, that's a call to action. We must do what God wants us to do now. Now, What is happening here is that Peter uh, was writing after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, and it was commonly believed that Jesus was coming back soon. That's what he's referring to here. Jesus himself in Revelation says, surely I am coming soon. But the truth is, is that they did not know when Jesus would return. And we do not know when Jesus will, will return. So we need to be ready. Amen? Amen? In the 1970s, there was a book called The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey. And this book got us all excited about the end times. And Lindsey did almost uh, everything but predict the time that Jesus would return. Well, he didn't return during that time. The book kind of faded away until we had another series of books that came, the Left Behind series. And people started thinking about the end times and and getting ready for Christ's return. Well, it didn't happen. But that's just it. We don't know when it will happen. But we need to be prepared anyway. And we need to do the work that he's tasked us to do. Because the end of all things is near. So act. If I would allowed myself two words, I would have said act now. Next, pray. Pray. And more specifically, this is talking about a qualification. What is our spiritual state? What does our spiritual state need to be to be able to act? Now, we need to be people of prayer. Peter says, therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can, be, so that you can pray. Be clear-minded, or sober in mind is another way of saying that, and be self-controlled. Because if we're clear-minded, self-controlled, we're able to focus on our relationship with God and develop our communication with Him through prayer. Be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Now, to this point, 
we know we need to do something. We need to act. We need to be people of prayer. But what is it we're supposed to do? And this is the surprising uh, passage, I think. Surprising verse. Love. What is it we should do? We should love. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This request is not necessarily for all, us, all of us to do something that maybe we don't think we're capable of doing. We are all capable of loving one another because God gives us that capability. We're capable of loving the person who needs to know Jesus Christ. We're capable of doing what he has called us to do because of his power and not ours. Love covers a multitude of sins. An excellent example here of what Jesus did for all of us on the cross. And then he says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Now, hospitality was a very important component in the early Christian church. Without hospitality, the church could not have grown in the way that it did. There was no Hilton Hotel back then. There was no, I know you don't have them here, but there was no Motel 6 back then, to leave the light on for them. They stayed with each other. They stayed with fellow Christians. A good example would be Paul staying with Priscilla and Aquila. That was an important component to show, to offer hospitality. Now, my parents were great examples of, of this. They offered hospitality to many people. And as a little kid, I didn't even understand why these people were in our house. But there was a guy for quite a while that lived in our garage, and he played the drums. He drove the the neighbors crazy, but he lived there because my parents knew that he needed a place to stay, so they offered hospitality. And then there was Cousin Freddy. Now, Cousin Freddy, I don't have a picture of. I wanted to show you a, a picture of Cousin Freddy So instead, I looked on the internet to find a picture of somebody who looked kind of like what I remember Cousin Freddy looking like. And that's that's about what he looked like right there. So that's not Freddy, but it's somebody else. But he looks like him. So Freddy came to live with us in our house. And he was having marital problems, unfortunately. His wife was treating him pretty bad. And every morning when Freddie would go out our house to start his car to go to work, his car wouldn't start. Well, he soon realized that the reason his car wouldn't start is that his wife was stealing a very important part out of the car. It was called a rotor. And uh, long before electronic ignition, rotors were really important. They go into the distributor. You can pull them out really, really easily. <laughs> He's laughing. He knows it. Uh, And without that, you can't start the car. So she would steal his rotor every morning. Well, my dad, showing love and offering hospitality, uh, would try to help Freddie. And so he said to him, Freddie, why don't you move the car to the next street over? And that way she'll never find it. So, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So he moved the car over there. Next morning he gets in to start the car. Nothing happens. The rotor is gone. She found the car. So my dad, again, trying to show hospitality and love to Cousin Freddy, uh, has a great idea. And he presents Freddy with a big bag full of rotors. 
and said, Freddie, every morning when you go out to start that car, I want you to put that rotor in. And he did. Problem solved. Showing hospitality to one another. I'm wondering, as I think about this story from my childhood, whether or not we've lost a little bit of that. Could be. Do we show hospitality to one another? Whether it's having somebody stay with us or providing a meal to somebody. It's an important component of showing love is hospitality. And we, it also says to, um, oh, moving on, it gives us another example of how we can show love to others. So that is to serve. Service. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. Using our gifts to serve others by faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. We bring all the different gifts that we have been given to serve others. Now, I used to like to work on Volkswagen Beetles. Anybody owned a Volkswagen Bug or Beetle? Okay, all right. I'm seeing several of you. Um, I like to work on them because they were pretty easy to fix, but I only finished one car, restored one car, and when I finally got it done, there was an officer we were serving with uh, from New Zealand uh, who was serving on the training college staff with us, an excellent painter, and he painted a picture of that car using his talent and presented it to me. What an act of love that was by presenting that picture of that car. Well, I don't have that picture anymore because when I sold the car eventually, I felt that that picture needed to go with the car. So it's gone. But he showed love to me by using his talent. Now maybe you can do the same. God has given you talents and abilities and gifts and he's given those to us so that we can share those with other people, so that we can show love in that way. Maybe you're an accountant. You can help somebody with their taxes. Maybe you're a person who likes to bake cookies, and you can help by sharing those with other people. You get the idea. God has given us all something that we can share, and it's a great way that we can show love to other people. It says, when we speak, we speak as they are the words of God. This is important. How we talk to one another shows how we love one another. Years ago, in my home corps, uh, I remember a situation where a couple of corps members were, were having a disagreement. And one of them <clears throat> was going to walk out. He was upset. He was going to walk out. And the other one said, if you leave now... Don't bother coming back. And you know what happened? He never came back. When we speak, we should speak as if they are the very words of God and watch how we speak to one another. And we do all of this in the strength that God provides. Finally, Peter gives us the reason why we should show love to one another. He says, the one word, glorify to glorify God, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. 
So we must cheerfully and urgently love and serve others because it brings glory to God. It brings glory to God. Peter tells us that the end of all things is near. So here's the question. What is he telling you to do in love? What is he telling me to do in love? Maybe there's a situation that you need to solve at home that you need to, in love, go home and talk to somebody, ask for forgiveness, or reconcile with somebody. Maybe he's calling you in love to do something in this congregation, whether it be a, a Bible class teacher, or maybe to serve in another capacity, or maybe it's even to be a Salvation Army officer. What is it that God is telling you to do in love. It's an urgent matter. All of us, even the youngest one here, every day we're getting older. We don't know when God will call us home. We don't know when Christ will return. It's urgent. Do something. Do something now.